I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yeah, we got some reality today. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but reality in this book. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The trolls and the, you know, monsters Uh with four feet. Some curses. Well, <laughs> you gotta have curses. That's right. This is Njal's saga, um, which is a an Icelandic saga, Viking saga, written in uh, the 13th century about events that happened in. It's like historical fiction <laughs> written in the 1200s about like right around 1000 AD in Iceland. Yeah, I was interested to see when, I guess this was in the introduction, they were talking about the fact that these are family histories, mm. and there are still families living in Iceland that can read these and read about their ancestors. Yeah, you know, you, you picture Iceland, you know, when, when they went to Iceland, I mean, there, there are, in the winter especially, they don't have a lot of daylight even. Uh-huh. Um, you're just imagining what folks back then would do with their time. Over this, and then um, the Icelandic saga has is really it a genre, I guess you know that sprung from this little country and uh, from these people in medieval times that were living there. And uh, yeah, I find him I find him really fascinating. So I'm I'm the one who subjected you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let's read this because I loved it so much. So uh, I've never even heard of it before. And um, it was a reading challenge for me um, because it just skips around so much. And it makes me think of when I first tried to read the Old Testament. If you're not reading something that has commentary, you're just left in the dust a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, like the Chronicle, books of Chronicles and the books of Kings and that kind of thing. And this had a more coherent set of people in our cohesive is what I mean (laughs) Um, cohesive set of people to follow some of the stories but it was continually bringing in all these new characters and having them become part of it until usually they all got killed Mm. sometimes they left or married into everybody's families but then here's a new set of people and there's 300 pages of this so you kind of have to as I was saying at the end of the last podcast, I had to just sit back and go, I don't care who any of these people are. Let me just read this stuff and see what stands out. And eventually there is a big narrative strand, but this is not like the normal stuff I've ever read. Yeah, there's there's this main thread throughout the whole thing. And it's um, 300 pages long in the edition that I have, which I'm using the Penguin Classics edition. And I think it was translated by Cook. Robert Cook. Robert Cook. That's what yeah, I have. That's the one. And yeah. um, I, that was recommended to me when I first read it, is that that's the translation to use. And um, there's 159 chapters. So 300 pages, 159 chapters. So some of them are very short. So you're reading just these little pieces. And just like you, uh, when I first read it, there were tons of names. And the advice that I got is just to just move forward. 
and the main thrust kind of comes forward and there's just so many little tangents that they kind of branch off that main uh, narrative. And um, I felt like it was different because when what I what I was half expecting was something like the Odyssey, mm. um, and in a way, I guess it's similar, but it felt like more like a modern novel or like a step towards it, you know, than like the Odyssey was. <clears throat> I don't know if you felt that way. Oh yeah, but, I think the guy who wrote Cloud Atlas would have been proud to write this. <laughs> yeah. So there, there were things, there's some intricate stuff and, um, you know, like a character that's just briefly mentioned as like, you know, the daughter of somebody who shows up later and it's almost as if, you know, like in a novel, everything that was put in there matters later. In this, mm-hmm. in this case, it's not quite that way. I think there's a lot of things that are mentioned that don't matter later, but he... The, whoever the author was who put it together, um, there there was a lot of this intricate stuff where, you know, like a, an eight-year-old is mentioned and then later on they're 25 and marrying somebody and become important in the, in the narrative later. And uh, I just thought that that was really interesting. And, and the other part of it that's different is there's really – um, gods don't play a huge role in this, like in the Odyssey, you know, where, mm, you know, yeah. the, the Greek pantheon or the, the, yeah, they're, they're moving chess pieces or influencing things. And here, other than magic, I would say, um, and there, there is some superhuman stuff going on as well. I have to say, um, it's pretty much, you know, like a history, and I'm going to use quotes around the history because it's definitely embellished history. But but Nyal, for example, the the person in the title did exist. They're they're really sure that he did, and that Gunnar, who is his friend, also did exist. Um, the scholars seem to agree on the fact that we're dealing with people that did exist, but clearly this is historical fiction about those folks. And, um, so it's very interesting, but to me, it's, it's different. Like you said, it's different than everything we've read. You know, I'm thinking about the, this stuff like Gilgamesh, um, the Odyssey, we read Beowulf. Um, this is different than those things yet similar. Well, yeah, because the thing I was most reminded of was Beowulf. At one point they do talk about somebody who was really good at monster killing and they name a couple of kinds of monsters He'd, up, he'd, he'd been off fighting monsters, then he came back here. And they don't go to any detail about it. But when you look at that and you think, oh, you can easily see how Beowulf would have been a story that could have been if they'd have looked closely at one of these events, here's the story they would have told about it. But when, and you know, you said there was magic, and I don't really specifically remember magic, but what I do remember is tons of prophecy from different people yeah, and also tons of as the book gets closer to the end a lot of um, supernatural visions I think and dreams yeah. so that mm-hmm. people would say oh I dreamt about this and it means this and you go yes yes it does mean <laughs> this you know everyone's going to die because you're an idiot um, 
but they still, of course, ignore it and move on because, <laughs> um, and that's again where it reminds me of human nature, especially when we'll read something, say, from the Old Testament and say, doesn't this behavior seem familiar? Mm-hmm. And that part of the behavior does seem familiar, even though we get fewer insights than in the Old Testament a lot of the time, where they'll say, so-and-so was thinking this. You almost never get that here. You just get what they're doing, and you're supposed to know why they did it. And that's where the context is missing for a modern reader. And you encountered this through, um, what, a book? Yeah, booktubers. Uh, booktube. There's, there's an annual booktube. event in uh, this little group at Booktube that I'm in called the Sagalong. <laughs> And it, it was going on for years before I arrived. And um, they just read Nyal's saga last year. It was early last year, so it's been about a year. And um, just a group of people, there was probably, I don't know, maybe a dozen that all read it at the same time. And some of the folks were, you know, Norwegian, <laughs> you know. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, saying, yeah, this is how you pronounce that. Or one of them was reading it in Norwegian, Um I, I don't know. I, I think that's the name of the language. I apologize if I have that wrong, but um, she would sometimes, you know, quote stuff in in that language and, um, you know, talk about how, like, someone like Halgerth, who we're going to talk about, how she came across in, in their version. You know what I mean? Oh, you know? yeah. So, um, but it was it was fascinating. So it, it's neat to do that in a group, and we're going to do it again this year. Um, okay. In April, we're reading e- Egil's saga, or Eagle. I don't know how to pronounce it, E-G-I-L's saga, oh. which is, um, uh, yeah, it's another one that I want to read. So I'm, I'm going to jump in hip deep on that, too, because these are okay. fun. These are fun, says me. <laughs> well, yeah. and maybe reading it with a group, it probably helps a lot. Yeah, it does. I think it does. Um, yeah, because you've got, like, newbies like me who are given their impressions, and then you have people that are really steeped in it and really know it well. It's like part of their culture, and uh, they're commenting on it. And so, it's it's almost as if everybody's just learning from each other. It's a book club, you know. That's what a book club is. So right. it's it's really great. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. I was really reminded of, I kind of, as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is like a conversation I had yesterday when I was at my dentist, surprisingly, and. His uh, wife does the accounting there, and they also have a receptionist. And the wife had gone to the Holy Land, and they're Catholic, and they go to our church. And so I, she was showing me pictures, and she would say, um, you know, this is the place where this thing happened. But she couldn't remember the story, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you? You should know this story. But And I'd say, oh, you mean where this person did this with Jesus and this happened? She goes, yeah. That's it. And I was like, yeah, the, where the transfiguration happened or whatever. Right? He was glowing. Or, um, you know, you know that town that Jesus liked to live in? I was like, Capernaum? That's it. <laughs> and so we did about six of these things. And she's showing me pictures. And the receptionist, who we hadn't really been paying much attention to, said, you know all those stories. And, and the, the wife said, it's called the Bible. <laughs> she said, I tried reading the Bible, but I was so confused by all of it. And I was said, well, and I was thinking, but these are the basics out of the Gospels, which is the most basic. And she's like, but I don't have anything to tell me what's going on to explain it. Mm. So I went away saying, I will find you a study Bible <laughs> that you can there use that yeah. you know, explains everything. And I was like, 
as I was making my notes last night, I was like, oh man, I have never felt more in sympathy with this girl because I need a study Bible. Hmm. I need somebody like those booktube people going, and here's what this oh, means, yeah, and here's yeah. the context for that, because if you don't have that, you're just floating. And it's, Agreed, yeah. And it, I, it, I, I yeah. agree with you 100%. It's like uh, a Bible study group, um, which I, ha- I have one here in town you know, that uh-huh. I'm, I'm part of. But when I started doing that, the, my, my knowledge of Scripture just deepened. I mean, it, right. it was it was like night and day almost, and then right. everything that we've done on this podcast is same thing. It's like you read it in a different way. Um, you take time to look stuff up, and then in in conversation is where everything comes up. You're like, oh, fascinating. Right. That's fascinating. So it's really, it it really does bring things out and uh, cements understanding, and um, it helps it stick with you. Yeah. So I have to say, it just just occurred to me, speaking of conversation, bringing things up, but I have to say I'm 100% more grateful to you than I was when I started reading this. (laughs) Because I just now realized after this bit of conversation that I now have sympathy with people who, even scoffers, Hmm. who say, ugh, the Bible. It's it's impossible to understand. It means nothing. Mm -hmm. And... um, even the parts that seem to me to be a pretty coherent story or cohesive story, I keep getting those words wrong. <laughs> but um, if I think of this saga, then I'm going to remember it's the same thing. Yeah. It's going to make me more sympathetic. That, that's fascinating because, you know, when you say, you know, the Bible, you know, you read it and it means nothing or some people feel that way. It's like after having done like again everything that we've done here everything that I've done in a bible study everything that I've read in bible commentary it's like what we do on this podcast with books mm-hmm. the bible is like the ultimate example of that because it is like an endless well of meaning it's like yes. every time we go to a book that even we've read before we read it and it's like oh my goodness look at the depth of what's going on here and there's just layer upon layer upon layer. I mean, so it's exactly the opposite. You know, I think when you read it out of context or out of any kind of community, you may just feel, like you said, floating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that thought. That's exactly right. And then um, when you've got someone to assist or to just talk to about it, suddenly it's like just a, a vista that opens. It's never going to end. And yeah. um, that's the way I've found about it. Yeah, me too. That's yeah. well said. Well put. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I love that you see that in the All Saga too, where it's like, yeah, well, I mean, the floating part is hard. But um, in talking about it, I think that's where everything kind of pulls together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and to me, you know, when I was seeing it in the context of the text from other cultures, like like I said, like the Odyssey. I love that we're reading all these because I've, I've loved every one of them. But oh, yeah. Gilgamesh, you know, so we've got Gilgamesh and that, you know, him and Enkidu. Um, and we here Ooh. we have Njal and Gunnar, you know. Um, so there, there's similarities. And again, that's, that's another one of those things where we talk about, you know, the one reality. Things that kind of bubble forth from no matter what culture you're in. Right. That are maybe influenced by each other or we're all God made and somehow this is coming through us. 
somehow mm-hmm. God's story is there, you know, in the beginning was the word <laughs> and somehow it's yeah. there and, and bubbling up in, in everything. Um, that's the way that I see that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because in this book, it's really clear that the power of friendship mm-hmm. and the power of community Yeah. and how easy it is for an ill-intentioned person to drag things apart if people aren't paying attention Absolutely. to what's going on and thinking about it. Yeah. Which happens continually in this. For sure it does. Yeah. So that's is great. there a basic summary that can well, be given Well, there's the not. Story? And, and that, that's part of, I, you know, when we were thinking about how to do this in an hour, um, there, there are podcasts that have talked about this book in multiple episodes. <laughs> I mean, multiple, multiple episodes. So I, I think that the best way <clears throat> is not to try to get it all in, but to mm-hmm. talk about some pieces of it. And... Um, so th- that's what I was thinking, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> if we just, you know, let's just talk about the beginning first, and then um, that'll kind of cement what it's like. And so I'll just kind of summarize the beginning. Okay. Um, so what it opens with um, a, a man named Hoskuld and Hrut and their brothers, and then there's a <laughs> man named Mord who wants um, Hrut to marry Mord's daughter. So he, he's like, I want you to marry my daughter. This is Hrut. Um, and his daughter, Mord's daughter is named Un. So Hrut agrees, but then he says, well, I've, I, let's postpone this wedding because I've got to run to Norway for a minute. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's like, uh, there's a, an inheritance or something that he has to go collect. So he says, okay, Un, just hang tight. I'm going to run to Norway. So Hrut, three years or something, right? Yeah, right. Just yeah. wait three years. I'll be back. Yeah, just hang we'll tight for a minute. <laughs> okay, so Hrut goes to Norway. And while he's in Norway, he's, he's there with the king of Norway and the king's mother, Gunhild. And Hrut spends time with Gunhild in, in that way, right? They're hanging out a lot in rooms in the dark. Well, yeah. and it's not even Ruth's idea. It's Gunhild going, oh, another young man for me to <laughs> exactly. entertain. Exactly. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, there goes Gunhild again. Well, she's the queen. Yeah, yeah. There it is. So then. Um, Feminine power. Exactly, exactly. So then, and now it's time for Hrut to leave. And he says, it's time for me to go back to Iceland. And then um, Gunhild asks him, do you have a girl back there? And he says, no. And then she says, liar. (laughs) (laughs) And then she curses him. She curses him, right? And uh, the curse is that he will never be able to lie with this woman that he has back there. But he can... Or satisfy her. Yeah, or satisfy her. Uh, But he will be able to sleep with other women. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's his curse. I so. loved this curse so much. And I'm just going to say, spoiler mm-hmm. for anybody who's actually going to No, we're not this. worried about any spoilers on this for yeah, sure. It's, yeah, it's pretty old. But yeah. still, it's pretty mm-hmm. new to most anybody like Agreed. me. But I laughed so hard when I saw what the curse was. Because these days, I was telling this to my book club because we're all ladies. So I was <laughs> like, okay, ladies, let me just yeah. tell you this. And they mm-hmm. were laughing so hard. That's I was like, awesome. the curse was... Yeah. I was like, I love that the curse is something that a man would normally think is a great thing. And and it's not that you're so small or you can't uh, 
satisfy somebody because you just can't get there. Uh-huh. But it's you're so big <laughs> that you just can't do anything. No way. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I love it's just going. Oh, you think you're so great? You're going to be extra great. <laughs> See how she likes that. There is so much going on down there. No one can handle it. And I was just going. I love these people. <laughs> The irony of that whole thing. Yes, for sure. And that, I think, is illustrating what this book is, right? Mm-hmm. It is entertainment, right? Yeah. These folks are telling these stories to each other. I'm imagining, you know, around a fire or whatever. You know, and not unlike, remember, the Odyssey was oral. There's a lot right. of oral stuff here that was kind of brought together. They're pretty sure that this was written by a single author. But okay. surely this single author was pulling all kinds of things that had been stories forever, and he's just pulling them in. These are things that people are laughing about over around a fire in the long darkness of winter, you know. So they're all just telling each other stories. And then out of that came these Icelandic sagas, and there's lots of them, right? But they're all just entertaining each other. Tell me the story of Gunhild, you know, and boom, here it is, you know. But that's well, what it's I, meant. I wish mm-hmm. I had remembered that context because when you said how short the daylight is in the winter, and I suddenly went, oh, my gosh, yes, just a few hours. And the telling each other these stories, that would have put a little bit more context in there for me. I just wasn't thinking of it. I was just, you know, mm-hmm. reading my 25 pages a day trying to get to my deadline. And um, But, yeah, that explains a lot of things because especially – as it goes on, toward the end, especially when things really heat up on one storyline, you start to see a lot of behavior that in this country we would call Loki-type behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're going to look for American stories from like Native Americans, coyote-type behavior, there's the tricking going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And who can do something based on a rule that some no one else should remember, but somebody else does remember it, and so they trumpet, you know, all Mm -hmm. these things. And um, those are the kinds of stories, of course, that you love to hear over and over. Right. Yeah. They get better the more you hear them. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So I interrupted. Sorry. No, this is great. So um, uh, Hrut goes back to Iceland. And despite the curse, you know, which he doesn't fully understand at this point, he marries Un, who's been waiting this whole time. But of course, Un is unhappy. (laughs) <laughs> right. She is unhappy. So they have this thing called the All Thing, they being the Vikings in Iceland. And um, so in the summer of every year, they all gather for a thing called the All Thing. And this is where it's, it's I imagine like a big convention. They, they mentioned booths where like mm-hmm. the family of Hrut would have a booth and anybody that's got a problem with them will come to their booth and say, uh, you killed my brother. I demand uh, payment. And then if if there's dispute, then um, they will have a trial. And the trial could result in um, something like, okay, you owe this person this much money. Uh, you are now exiled for three years, um, the, these kinds of things. But it, and you get lawyers, you hire lawyers, you know, yeah. to represent you and everything. Uh, it's a very litigious thing. That part's that, familiar to Americans. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So they go to this all thing, 
And then Un tells her dad, Mort, that, well, she's just extremely unhappy. And they're at this all thing, and, and Mort is trying to get out of her what's wrong, and she won't tell him. Then a year goes by again, and she finally tells him at this time. She says, this is what's happening. And then Hrut is like, well, we need to take care of this. So um, there's like a, I don't know, like a little complicated thing that, that happens, but Yoon finally divorces Hrut. She She's basically given a plan that, um, hey, in the next all thing, you stay home. And then while you're at home, as soon as uh, uh, Hrut, as soon as Hrut, I'm getting all the names mixed up. As soon as Hrut leaves for the all thing, then you, all you have to do is declare that you're divorced from him to witnesses. And then she does that. And then now Hrut is humiliated by how that happened. He was divorced, but he's humiliated by that. Okay, so that that's just an opening scene. <laughs> but it does set a good um, template for the way they handle things. For instance, when exactly. you were saying she got the advice, so she did it like this, because they, they have these very complicated laws. Incredible. About the yeah. timing of things mm-hmm. and what happens, and then your honor gets mixed in. You know, he was embarrassed, so he said, okay, go ahead and divorce me. But women have more power than you think. And, of course, that's in the natural way of women and men, they have the power. And and I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about differences between sexes, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, but then also, um, it's, there are advisors, there are family members who are getting involved in everybody's business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those parts, like I said, those are all really familiar. And I was interested in the fact that, the all thing, and I'll just back up one second, every four times a year, locally, they would have, they, I was going to say we'd have things. Well, they would have things. They were called thing, a thing, mm-hmm. and that was the local court. Yeah. So four times a year, you could go to court, and whoever your uh, goatee, is that what mm-hmm. it's called? And yeah. I think that was a godard. I think that was like your local lord or earl or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like a chieftain kind of a thing, but right. yeah, almost right. a judge, right? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would be kind of the judge, or but they would have the people who'd meet, and if it couldn't be handled there, they'd say, "All right, we have to wait, and this has to go to the all thing where all the legal experts come, and all the families come, mm-hmm. and we're going to sort through this." Right. And they would kind of have the docket <clears throat> yeah. that everybody get their thing in on, and I thought, "This is amazing." <laughs> That it they, is amazing, and, a lot, yeah. and as you said before, a lot of the things people would accept the settlements, and mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah, you yeah, yeah you killed my brother, but okay, <laughs> I'll accept this much money, and we're gonna go and be best friends and neighbors now. Right, and they would do it, and they would do it, yeah. You know, so in in this particular case, is a good example. So you know, Mord, the 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 dad of Un, sues Fruit. And says, I need my money back, right? I want the, my dowry back or whatever you call that. And Hrut mm-hmm. refuses to pay. And then uh, so they can either have this this trial where they're going to determine who gets what. Or Hrut says, well, fight me, right? And then Mord refuses to because he knows he'll lose. He's much older. 
mm-hmm. and then the duel like trumps the law, so Mord loses that suit, and um, yeah, yeah, that, you won't fight him. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, I can't. I, well, I'm just going to be dead. So <laughs> let's not yeah. do that. And then, but that trumps the law. So it, it's a, it's an amazing system, an amazing system. And I, well, I will say just to jump ahead some, I mm-hmm. got to the end, which is this hugely complicated, um, deep legal matter. Yes. Where two sets of people are going back and forth to their secret legal advisors who, and that's the thing I was talking about where they're one-upping each other going, this this person doesn't know this, but Mm -hmm. here's this detail. If you do it (laughs) like this, that brings this law into effect. So they're doing all this. I'm like, this is like watching a legal movie. Mm. And it goes on for a long time. And in fact, so much so that my son-in-law doesn't practice law but he Mm -hmm. he passed the bar and everything and i said i think you would really like this book it's so (laughs) interesting Uh the way they're looking at all this legal stuff and he instantly went and got the audiobook oh that's cool he was fascinated by the Mm -hmm. whole concept i was like at least a third of this book is legal (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt yeah so yeah so, yeah, so the thing and the all things. So sometimes they'd be going to the thing, which mm-hmm. is like your local county fair, I guess, and courthouse. And yeah. then sometimes it's the big annual festival. The big annual thing, right. Yeah. The all thing is in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So, yeah. So um, also here in the beginning, um, let's talk about Halgerth. Because she's awesome. Uh, she's, she is the worst. Right. So we, she's and, not awesome. So we said that Halskuld <laughs> and Hrut are brothers, right? So we talked about Hrut's daughter. And now we'll talk about Halskuld's daughter, Halgerth. And Halgerth must be very, very beautiful because a lot of men <laughs> want to be married to her, despite some issues that we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> You know, and again, this is such entertaining stuff. So, so Thorvald is a guy who goes to Hoskuld and says, I want to marry your daughter. Uh, and uh, so they get married, um, Thorvald and Halgerth. Then something occurs and Thorvald slaps Halgerth in some type of an argument that they're having. And then um, Thostolf kills Thorvald for Halkert. You know, so so Thostolf is a, um, I don't know, like some type of a relation uh, of Halgers. I can't remember the exact way that they're connected. But basically, Halger has uh, Thorvald killed for, for the slap. Yeah, she says, oh, you know, he slapped me. Why don't you go kill him? He's like, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Done. Okay. Done. So what what's crazy about that is then, you know, she has to tell her dad, Hey, uh, Dad, um, crazy thing. Uh, <laughs> husband's dead. Uh, just want to let you know. Get on with your thing. Have a good one. Yeah. Right? So, but the, but the thing That's is... That's why he's not going to be there. Exactly. So the thing is that Thorvald was killed by one of um, Hoskuld's family. So Hoskuld has to pay the family of Thorvald for that death and they pay and then they move on. It's not, you know, some, yep. sometimes, you know, you'll see in the story that when something like that happens, they don't move on. But uh, in this case, it's like, yeah, here's, here's 1250. Um, thanks. Really sorry. Uh, have a good life. Let's get along with each other and everything's fine. 
And then the story yeah. will say, and that's, uh, and then he was gone from this saga. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, and we're, we're done with this now. Right. We're done with this oh, person. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay. So along comes Gloom. And Gloom says, Halger is really something I would love to marry Halger. And, and, uh, even, even Hulskuld is like, are you sure? <laughs> Remember what happened to the first husband. Right. But he's sure. So uh, they get married, Halgir and Gloom. And, of course, something occurs and Gloom slaps Halgir. And we know what happens next. Um, Halgir tells Theostoff. But she, in this case, this time, she actually tells him, don't do anything. But Theostoff does it anyway. He kills Gloom. Oh, that's just... You know she did that on purpose. I know it exactly. He yeah. hit me because if you think but she's don't not, don't you do anything? Right? Not yeah. flirting with all these people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> happening. You're not talking about it. That's right. That's right. So anyway, Thostolf kills Gloom, and then uh, Halger goes to her dad. And says, "Dad, funny thing. <laughs> Here we go again. I don't know." Uh, he's gone. So, you know. But she always acts like, you know, this was justified. You yeah, know, she does. Me. She does. I you're, do, you're absolutely I do, right. Mm-hmm. There's a funny thing that's kind of almost reflected today, too. You know, nobody should slap anybody. Mm-hmm. No man, also presumably much bigger and stronger, should ever slap a woman. Yeah. Um, and yet, <clears throat> most of the time, you understand why she got slapped. She's being very <laughs> she, unreasonable. She is, yeah. And then she uses it as an she, and she's not saying, I can't wait for him to slap me because then I'll have him killed. She's just like pushing it. How far can I push this? Yes, yes. And then after she's pushed it too far, she's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I don't care for that. Let's, <laughs> this guy has to be gone. That's right. And that's like today with this... Um, our society has a real habit of letting people push it and push it and push it and push it. And now they're a victim and they can get away with anything in their victimhood. Um, And I don't have specific examples, but I think no matter what we think and do in our real lives, I think we can all think of different examples in the news and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was like, Oh, I know her. I've met Halgard. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I don't care for her. Yes, indeed. So, yeah. So now that brings us to, um, so that has been the opening of the book. And, and I feel like that that really kind of sets the tone. We, we kind of know what the world is like. We kind of know how people deal with each other, right? But then now we start to get into the main uh, story, which has to do with two people. So one is Nial and one is Gunnar. And... Um, I thought this was fascinating because they're two highly regarded people in the society, but they're both very different. So mm-hmm. Gunnar is like, um, he's, he's the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. He's the wrestler. He, uh, he's is man strong. Of he, yeah. He's definitely a man of action. He's a warrior. Right. And then right. we have Nial who can't grow a beard. That's brought up several times. People oh, think that yeah. that's, that's a, a slight or uh, something that's not masculine, right? Where, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's used as an insult towards him and his family. But okay. what he is, is a brilliant lawyer. And both of them have power in this world that they're in. Um, so you've got a lawyer type and a warrior type. 
and they are good friends. And um, yeah. it shows just two, well two things that are valued, and they're both well off, right? They're both doing yeah. good in that society. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and I love this friendship. Yes, and it is something. You do have to read a good amount of the book in order to really get the flavor of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. For the times that one of them will come and kind of rescue the other. And it's much more Nyal than Gunnar. But they still always support each other and um, have each other's back. Right. And it's it's really touching. And you by the time that um, Gunnar and Nyal are coming to the end of their stories, I, I'm really sad over that. Right, right. I really like them. Yeah, very much. Yeah, so... So we remember Un, Un, uh, who uh, has been divorced, is becoming poor, and she goes to Gunnar and says, is there any way that you can help me? And Gunnar goes to Njal, and that's how we get everybody together. It's like, you know, Njal, Gunnar's going to Njal for counsel on what do we do uh, to uh, get money out of fruit for this divorce? So that Un, you know, can live, right? So mm-hmm. um, Nial proposes this incredibly complex plan oh that seems gosh. like it's going to take forever, right? Okay, dress up as a peddler, convince everyone that you're this, you know, um, <laughs> and then um, go to Hrut and and when, once he's convinced that you're a peddler, then you're going to ask Hrut, what legal formula would you use to sue yourself? And Hrut tells him, you know, and this actually all works. It all works. And, and that's the thing. You know, there, there's something a little bit magical about Nial, in my opinion. You know, oh, yeah. someone I'm using that. It's like he can kind of see the future because he gives these incredibly detailed, very convoluted things. And it all happens, just like he says. And that happens a few times in the story. And, and he can warn Gunnar about something that's going to come, and it does come. So, again, this is prophecy, like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But he's, he, he, there's something with Nial that's a little bit supernatural. And there's something with Gunnar that's also supernatural, and it is that, you know, hey, if 17 guys come at me, Gunnar wins, right? So that's interesting. Yeah, they, I did not think this. of either of those things as being supernatural. I thought of both those things as just being there the top. So Nyal can look at human behavior, I felt, and be able to predict how people will act under these circumstances. And he knows uh, Hrut, yeah. or Hrut, however you mm. say it. Mm. Um, and he knows this and this and this. So he can basically say, if you do this, According to like all the stories I've ever read and all these people that I know, this is how they're going to act. And it made me that thing. And and the thing about of the people, you know, like one person fights seventeen or three people kill fifty, and I'm like, that's just how good they are. Right. Yeah. Their hearts are pure to me. I I don't know. I I don't know that that's an invalid way to look at it. But I we're not ever told he gets any help from anyone. No, we're not told that at all. Yeah. Yeah, we're we like. When uh, Gunnar is going to take his next bad step, he says, if you do this, there's going to be trouble. Yeah. It's going to yeah. follow you wherever you go. And it's like, that does, that's not supernatural. That's, mm. look at history, man. But, yeah, um, yeah. But there, there's a time where yeah. he says, you know, hey, if you, if you kill two people from the same family, then it's, it's done for you. 
right? Yeah, and maybe he has mm. a touch of the the yeah. mystics. There just seems to him. be mm-hmm. a touch of I can see the future in Neal. Yeah, and, and you do have people just like, oh gosh, what's the woman's name? It starts with a B. Bergortha? No. Yeah, his wife. Neal's yeah. wife is Bergthora. Bergthora. I am yeah. so proud that I got that close. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah. But she will say, she'll just kind of say things to the sons. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you can decide it's either a bit of mystic warning or it's also just common sense. My mother-in-law yes. could do stuff like that. She would just right, say, oh, right. well, this. And you'd go, later you'd go, that is so deep. I didn't think of that that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Yeah, Yeah, so anyway, that's how I I saw it, as there's something a little bit more. It's like in in Gilgamesh, I guess, you know, both Gilgamesh and Enkidu, there's something special about those two that's superhuman in some way. You know, and I kind of saw this as kind of similar to that. Yeah, but so here's the interesting thing, I guess, between those two stories and between the kinds of stories we're used to reading is you and I are left to make our own interpretation, which maybe the Icelandic people listening to this would have known instantly Mm -hmm. this is because he's wise or this is because he's uh, the gods are talking to him, but they never say. So we're left to put it to our own interpretation, whereas Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh is part god. That's right. And Enkidu mm-hmm. was created mm-hmm. by the gods specifically to be a mirror of Gilgamesh mm-hmm. and besties also, best right. friends forever. <laughs> and yeah. um, <clears throat> now there's the best friendship ever. But anyway, <laughs> um, so this book leaves it to us. Right. Agreed. Agreed 100%. At least yeah. this far in the, in the future. We, um, know, we know that magic exists in this world because of Gunhild's uh, fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but right. we're told there she yes. puts a curse on him. Absolutely right. Yep. And later on, when somebody will say, I had this dream, and it was like this, and someone will go, oh, that means that. Mm. Or yeah. someone will say, three people turned around, and they thought they saw Gunnar doing this, and later they somebody said, oh, that's the witching rider or some such thing. Yeah. It shows right. you this kind of a vision. Yeah. So those things are often explained. For sure. But not always. Yeah. We can we can think what we want. <laughs> Absolutely right. Fun. Oh, it's fun to think about this stuff. That's cool. Oh, but I was going to yeah. say, so when this whole thing comes up, um, the thing about being the peddler and how would you do it? And mm-hmm. then it made me think of the Old Testament where David has had um, Bathsheba's husband killed. Mm-hmm. And Nathan is told by God what happens. So Nathan comes in and tells the story about the rich man and the the poor man with one little lamb that he loved. Mm. And David gets so pissed off and he goes, well, here's what I do. (laughs) Who is it? And he's like, you are the man. Mm. He's like, oh, crap. Wow. You're right. I see it all now. And that doesn't happen here, but it's that same sense of using what you know to be right or wrong or effective against you. Yes. Love it. That's cool. I love that connection. That's great. That's great. But now what happens um, is Gunnar is at an all thing, and so is Njal. But Gunnar notices this woman named Halgerth. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, wow, wow. She is so good looking. She's so good looking. And he goes to Hoskuld 
And he says, I really want to marry your daughter. And, and again, Holtzgold's like, really? Are you absolutely sure? There are some things you should know, right? Holtzgold actually is like, I do not want this guy to be my enemy in any way. Um, but he's like, really, you know, so are you sure? But they get married, right? Oh, but but here, let me just, I know we're running out of time. Please, but yeah. First, he says, no, I still want to marry. And he goes, okay, hold on. And he goes and gets some friends and relatives. Okay. Yes. He wants to marry Hoggard. And they're like, oh, man. Okay, let us tell you some stories. She's the worst. He's oh, like, eh, I think I still want you. And high school goes, hold on. Hoggard, Gunnar wants to marry you. And Hoggard's like, well, you better be sure about this because I'm real hard on the men I'm around. And then she's talking to him, telling right. him stories. She's like, I don't care. Oh, she's like, all right. They, yeah. And there they do. What a dummy. <laughs> She's good looking. She's she must be the she most good looking. Nice. All right. Yeah. Yep. So they get married, and Nial's wife, as we mentioned, is uh, Bergthora. And uh, unfortunately, at a wedding, there's a, or there's a feast. It wasn't. I don't think it was the wedding between Gunnar and uh, Halgirth, but it was some type of an event. And uh, Halgirth and Berthora get in a tiff. There is a little bit of fighting. Somebody wants to sit somewhere, and the other person's like, no way. And anyway, now there's this feud between Halgirth and Bergthora, which is our, our very good friends, Njal and Gunnar's wives, hate each other. And that just stinks for them, right? So it doesn't this... It, and isn't this all real life again? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so for sure. Oh my gosh, it seems uh, so familiar. It's too good. And then, um, so the, the, the feud turns from words to, to blood. <laughs> There's like a forest between the land of Gunnar and Njal. And they're, they're such good friends that they haven't drawn a line in it anywhere. It's kind of something that they share and has worked just fine till now. But then um, Bergthora sends a slave into the forest to cut some wood. And Halgirth sends a person to kill that slave. And then at the summer, all thing, now Gunnar and Njal uh, have this this uh, legal matter. But they like each other so much that they're determined not to let anything like this get between them. So Gunnar pays Njal 120 pieces of silver for the slave. Then, yeah, they're go ahead. really exemplary, they these are, two. Yeah. Because... Everything escalates based on the wives and various other people who they'll go, and here's this person, and he was sneaky. He was known to be evil. He was no whatever, different descriptions for these different people. And you're like, oh, we've known people like that. They're just troublemakers. They like to stir the pot. They yes. enjoy seeing people be upset. And the wives will glom onto these people and get them to do stuff for them. And it's not always Bergthora, though I was surprised at how much she engaged in this thing. It's various, you know, there's a nephew who does stuff. There's all these things. But these two continually say, nothing can ever shake my friendship for this person. Right. They continually stand up to the pressures of everyone around them. They and, do, and will yeah. sacrifice a lot of money, honor, mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. Yeah, right. And it, it, it starts to happen that every year somebody is killed. And they're dealing with it at the all thing, right? Mm -hmm. And the person that's killed is getting more and more important as time goes on. 
You know, right. like somebody's killed and y'all's like, I can't accept 120. It has to be 240 because this was a free man. And, uh, and Gunnar clearly, you know, happily does it. He's like, yes. You know, um, and it just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Well, and also I liked the way you saw other little bits of the society because uh, a big point is made at one time about this is a different homeschooled. Yeah, but it's a different homeschooled. And the point is made, and this was in the, the background information, which I read partway through and then I went, no time. Mm-hmm. Must just keep going. Mm-hmm. But the foster son thing was uh, they would take these foster sons from different families and some and usually friendly families, but sometimes it was to try and solve a feud. Yes. And the mm-hmm. boys often grew up fonder of their foster family than of their own family. Mm-hmm. So this would help foster all kinds of good relations. And I thought, what a good idea. Um, not necessarily, of course, taking somebody from their family when they're six or eight or whatever and having them live with you, but the almost like an apprenticeship type thing or mm-hmm. um however much you mix with communities that are different from your own or around people that aren't quite like you you get to know them and you get to become friends and understand them and like them a lot better than you would have any other way and yeah. i just thought what a great way to incorporate this as part of their society and so um one of the things that impressed me about Nyal's um willingness to go the whole mile for people that he liked was when he uses his own reputation in a tricky way. He's well known to be the best lawyer in Iceland Hmm. and everybody trusts him. And there's one all thing where every bit of advice he gives turns bad. (laughs) And it's because Hoskold can't get any land and he needs it. He needs to become a a Godard or whatever it is. Right. Godi mm-hmm. for some I can't remember now. It's for a marriage. It's for some who knows. Yeah, it's for some, he it, needs exactly it. Right, yeah. He needs it. It has to happen. Yeah. And um, so after he does that, he says, "Oh well, the only way to solve this problem is we need more courts. And to have a court, you have to have a goatee. I suggest that we have like you know six or nine or however many more, and they all go, "Oh, that's a great idea, and y'all." And so he gets one for Hoskold that way. Right. And like he yeah. is willing to jeopardize all this other stuff. It makes you feel like he's like their King Solomon in the yes. good days of King Solomon. That's a, that's a great thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, I, I did have that thought one time when I was reading that, you know, because of his prophecy and seeming to mm-hmm. be uh, all wise, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep, love it. That's awesome. And so, yeah, and, and yeah. there's some cool stuff about that as well um, because his, Nial's son killed that whole school's dad. So when he, when, when, um, Nial adopted that kid, he was adopting a kid who his own son had killed that kid's dad and raised him as his son. And, and this kid was probably the most saintly character in the whole thing Mm -hmm. because there comes a point where he, gets killed and his last words are you know almost like may god forgive these people right you know that's after christianity has come right absolutely so christianity came to iceland in about the year 1000 um and it it it, it's an interesting thing in this saga you know up to now everything that we've said christianity hasn't been part of it but then suddenly christians come this guy named thangbrand comes and then um 
now Christianity has been introduced to this small world and, and there are Christians around. And some of the Christians that are around don't act any different from the other Vikings, right? But some, oh, like, yeah. like this whole school that you're talking about, it's it's whole schooled. Um, anyway, I can't remember his last name, but he um, he is like the only person that I would say, including the priest that came to convert <laughs> everybody, that is really showing a Christian ethic. Um, and I thought yeah. that was super interesting. Other people are like you know, yay God, and I'm going to kill you anyway, right? <laughs> so yeah, include, yeah, yeah, like you say, including the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thangbrand was his name, the priest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thangbrand, that's Thangbrand, it. Thangbrand, yeah. Yeah, but um, it, it's, it's all super fascinating, I, I've thought, on the, when uh, Christianity shows up. Well, yeah, and especially since I wish I could remember which saint it was but uh, there's a saint who they talk about who did this in uh, with the druids where it's like you know you burn down this tree well um and then and it doesn't happen and i'm gonna have god burn it down and it blows up you know that kind of thing and so that made me think of that kind of rough bringing of christianity because it has to be like the people will understand Yes, right. But what I really was thinking then, <clears throat> when I got to the point where Thangbrand is uh, talking to the heathens, who were all like, oh, no, they spoke strongly against it. And he says, well, we're going to build three fires. You mm-hmm. heathens bless one, I'll bless another one, the third will be unblessed. And there's worried because there's a berserker nearby. Right. And everybody's terrified of him. And he's headed that way. And he says, if the berserker fears the one I bless but walks through your fire, you have to accept the faith. And y'all go, Okay. <laughs> so then the berserker comes and guess what? Of course he he walks through he uh won't walk through the blessed fire but he'll walk through everything else and it's fine. And then um they they chop him to bits <laughs> and all become Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? But it's yeah, but it, all it. that also made me and I'm sorry mm-hmm. to keep doing this, but that also made me think of Elijah with the I think it was 800 priests of Baal. Baal. Yeah. Who said, oh, really? Well, you build your altar, and I'll build my altar, and they build an altar, and they've got all this fire and everything, and they're praying for half the day. And he's like, really? Because maybe your God's, like, on the toilet? Maybe you can't make it? Maybe he's asleep. Let's call louder. Mm -hmm. And then he says, okay, pour water all over my altar, set it on fire, and my God's going to set it on fire, and God, yep, whoosh, (laughs) and all the water's dry, and Mm -hmm. everything's burned up. And yeah. then all the priests get killed um, by the people who've seen what's going on. And I just thought, oh, this is like Elijah. Mm-hmm. Is that test by fire in the same way? <laughs> awesome. The practical example that you have to have. <laughs> yep, indeed. Oh, that's too fun. I love it. You know, I, I found uh, a couple things that I'd like to point out on the Christianity thing. Yes. Um, like the the very first... So this Thangbrand, he was sent from uh, from Norway to convert Iceland. And um, when he showed up, um, he he was doing a mass. So, uh, but it was on it was it must have been on Michaelmas, the 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 day commemorating the um, angels. Oh yeah, because he he was uh, somebody was walking by, you know, and. They, 
a guy named Hall, who is not an important character, but Hall said to Thangbrand, in whose memory are you celebrating this day? And uh, he says, the angel Michaels, he said. Well, what features does this angel have, said Hall? Many, said Thangbrand. He weighs everything that you do, both good and evil, and he is so merciful that he gives more weight to what is well done. And Hall said, I would like to have him for my friend. That you may, said Thangbrand. Give yourself to him today in the name of God. I'll do it on this condition, said Hall, that you promise on his behalf that he shall be my guardian angel. I promise, said Thangbrand. <laughs> Hall and his household were then baptized. <laughs> I did love that. I love it, yep. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I would like him to be my friend. Yes, <laughs> I would like him and to be my friend. And isn't that what, and yep. that's such a nice relationship type idea. Mm-hmm. Instead of, I'm going to worship this one because he's so powerful. Yes. And I'm afraid or I want to get favors. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, here's what he's like. Oh, I would like to be friends with him. Yeah. And that's the relationship we're all supposed to have with God. Right. Or right. his angels. Who are, Michael means who is like God, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And the other one I wanted to point out was... Um, Confusingly enough, this Holskuld that you were talking about earlier is, um, I found the name, it's Holskuld Throensen. So, Throen was the person who Njal's son killed. And Holskuld Throensen is that man's son who was adopted by Njal. There was also a Holskuld Njalsen. Oh, who was right. also named Holskuld, but that was a different person. I know. That's like yeah. every, the, later in the book, there's another Mord. And I'm like, wait, yes. hold on, <laughs> right. what? Two Mords. And I went, oh, right. It's like there's three people named Jim. Right, exactly. You know? And a lot Got of time it. has passed in between the two things. Yeah. So, Holskuld um, so Njalsson was killed, and he had a son named Amundi who was blind. And at the all thing, oh, yeah. he goes to this person's lighting, who is the person who killed Holskuld Nielsen. <laughs> He's a, he went to lighting's booth and he demands payment for his dad's death. And lighting says, I will give you nothing because I've already paid Nial. He said, I'm not going to give you anything. So Almundi prays that God will let his will be shown. And then suddenly he can see. And then he kills Lighting with an axe to the head. And then he can't see do. again. The way you do, right. Yeah. And then he, he's blind again, right? So it's like God gave him sight so he could take revenge and then took his sight away. And I, I just was, thought that right? was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so interesting. <laughs> That's real Old Testament style there. Yeah, because I think he'd paid Nial, but he had not paid for that guy's father. Exactly right, yeah. So he was cheating. He was. Yep. God was weighing it. He he knew mm-hmm. what was going on. <laughs> you bet. So yeah. It's a rough justice. It's, it's kinda like the justice. Wild West. <laughs> it is it is a rough justice. And um you know, the these battle, you know, so when I said, you know, he hit him in the head with an axe, it is it is, you know, pretty it, it's described. <laughs> <laughs> These battles are described, and um, you know, I'm just imagining again how entertaining this was to a you know the people that were listening to these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just like an action movie. 
Yeah. And um, so I wanted to read a, a different battle that is like my favorite battle. Oh. So this is when um, Throwin actually gets killed. So uh, Holskuld Throwinson is the, the one that Njal adopted. But his, uh-huh. Njal's son, um, he actually has three sons. And they all are chasing Throwin for reasons that would take a while to explain. But they're, they're like uh, looking over kind of down a hill. And it's, it's a clear day, but it's cold. And uh, some of the water's frozen. But, oh, um, that's, this is amazing. <laughs> this is good stuff. This, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what happens yeah. is, um, so the, the guy's name is Scarpadin. Scarpadin is uh, the name of Nial's son. And him and his brothers start running down the hill. But it happened to Scarpadin while they were running down along the river that his shoestring snapped and he fell behind. Why are you holding back, Scarpidin? said Grim, which is another brother. I'm tying my shoe, said Scarpidin. <laughs> Let's go ahead, said Cory. I doubt that he'll be any slower than we are. They moved down toward the frozen arch at great speed. Scarpidin jumped up as soon as he tied his shoe and had his axe raised. He ran to the river, but it was so deep that for a long stretch it was unfordable. A broad slab of ice, smooth as glass, had formed on the other side of the river, and Throwin and his men were standing in the middle of it. Scarpidin took off into the air and leaped across the river from one ice ledge to the other and made a steady landing and shot on in a glide. The ice slab was very smooth, and Scarpidin went along as fast as a bird in flight. Throwin was about to put on his helmet, but Scarpidin came at him first and swung his axe at him and hit him on his head and split it down to the jaw so that the molars fell out on the ice. This <laughs> happened in such rapid sequence that no one could land a blow on Scarpidin. He went gliding away at furious speed. Thorvi threw a shield in his way, but he hopped over it and kept his balance and glided to the end of the ice slab. Then Cory and the others came up to him. A manly attack that, said Cory. Your part is yet to come, said Scarpidin. <laughs> and uh, then they went at them. Grim and Helgi saw where Hrap was headed, or Scar- where Hrap was and headed for him. Hrap swung his axe at Grim. Helgi saw this and swung at Hrap's arm and cut it off, and the axe fell down. And um, just onward, you know. So these battles are detailed. You know, it tells you what happened, who hit, who where, and all this other stuff. So, um there's tons yeah. of amazing battles in this thing. That that one though, where he's just sliding on that yeah. ice so fast, and then you know he's just masterful yeah. at it. It's it's cinematic. It is cinematic. You know, you just suddenly you just see it, and um, and also when you said he you know cut his arm off and his axe fell down, mm-hmm. duh. But it made me think there were a lot of scenes sometimes where somebody would cut someone's leg off and they'd stand there for a second looking at their leg, going. Well, now's the time I die, or some such thing like that, and then they'd fall over and die. Oh my gosh! There um, was a, a you remind me of a, a time for Gunnar, right? So Gunnar is in his house, and he's trapped in his house, and people are coming out. There's like thirty people. This is the day that he's going to die, and he's shooting arrows and stuff. But somebody goes up to his front door to see if he's there. This is like when they those thirty people first arrived, mm-hmm. and and um. 
Gunnar kills him with a spear or hits him in the head with a spear. And the guy stumbles back to the other people and they say, well, is he home? <laughs> and he said, I don't know, but his spear is. <laughs> like those. Oh, my gosh. Like, witty to the end. Yes. <laughs> and then he falls down dead. Yep, he's done. <laughs> I had to reread that. I went. Wait, was he serious? What was going on here? Okay, all right, got it. Oh, and I, I can know, just that see, was so funny. I can just see a crowd just laughing out loud at that moment. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. So. Well, and it's a funny thing, too, because I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about, yeah, it is quite violent in a lot of ways. Yes. And the <laughs> things people do are, you know, the ambushes that are set and the dumb reasons people are doing things to us because mm. we're looking at it from so far outside are uh, just reprehensible. But then you look at it and you, and again, I'm thinking of uh, the book of judges, especially is full of all kinds of just terrible descriptions of things people are doing to each other mm. all over the place. And um, I'm thinking, so we've got this book that we read over and over. That's got all this kind of stuff in it. But so the difference to me, of course, now, and I understand it better, as I said, commentary and all that stuff. But the other difference is the thing that's often pointed out with the Bible and any other books that were written around the same time, like the Epic of Gilgamesh and all those sorts of things, is the Jews were continually using these stories to look at where was God? Mm -hmm. Where's the history that God is stepping into through these people or in what way are we learning something about ourselves because of God? And these people, even though they have Christianity, are not doing that. Yep. So, they're I mean, it's here. a thousand I mean, it's, years. It's like brand oh, no, no, new. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but mm -hmm. they're not they're not interested in that. They don't even look at their own gods that way. I mean, there's Agreed, one point yeah. where somebody goes in and uh, burns down a temple to a pagan god. And this is before, I think, Christianity. I'm not positive. And, you know, he's got to pay the reckoning and do all the things. But no god is striking him down. And no one's upset because now god's not going to, um, you know, make his land fertile or whatever. Yeah, right. It's a whole different situation. It really, yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm wondering if... Um... It's got to be weird in, in this society. I, I, I guess, like, as, as Christianity spread, what would often happen is, like, a leader of some type would convert, you know, like Constantine right. early on. But a leader or some type would convert, and then they would um, basically, sometimes by forcibly, right, um, say, yeah. okay, everybody's Christian now, right? Yeah. But in this society, there is no no leader. There is no... You know, True. it's a it's a loose collective. So it's like you know, you're not going to have the leader converted and then um, be an example for everyone else. And well, um, go ahead, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm just wondering, you know, like when when would something like the Bible be translated in a way that these folks could read it, or were were they able to was you know, and there weren't preachers everywhere in this mm -hmm. in this time either. Is like we had Thangbrand, but you know, if there were other priests and things, you know, we, we don't hear about them. But it, I'm not getting the impression that there was churches everywhere or anything like that. Mm -mm. I, I think that this there's there's early. one time, yeah, there's one time very late in the book that I think a church is mentioned, um, which is which was interesting to me. 
Um, oh, yeah. And, and this was written, again, in the 12th century about the, you know, right around 1,000. You know, so it's like 960 to 1040 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, did, is the writer actually taking that into account? You know, I, I think that's remarkable that, that they are. They're like, well, what was it like back then? Well, back then it was like this, you know. Yeah, 200 um, years ago it was right. like this. And think for us, 200 years ago, that's a long time. It but, is. But, of course, yeah. things changed more slowly, and they would have been telling these stories the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's the like reason that I... It's like us thinking about George Washington, right? Well, yeah. exactly. I'm just going to say that oh, because cool. mm-hmm. I was thinking I made, uh, for my February book club, I made cherry streusel bars. And I said, well, because cherries in February, and Rose went, what? <laughs> and I said, oh, I think of it because I was told the story about George Washington and the cherry tree. And even when you discover it's not true, you're told the story so you can be told it's not true. Mm, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she goes, because she knows about it, but she w- she knows it's not true. But it's good to be that person anyway, if you were that person. Yeah. So it's, it's that thing of, you know, this was uh, in the 1700s. That that we people are telling the story about George Washington because he's you know so important that they're making up stories about his childhood and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and of course, the whole point is, and I'm not of course at all criticizing this book. It was being told for a completely different reason. Mm-hmm. It just made me think of how the Old Testament has so many elements that are similar that can make modern people cringe or laugh or whatever. But they are so unique in that they wrote that book in that way, all those books that make up the Bible, to reflect this thing. And so, and when you're talking about a loose confederation without a leader, I think of um, Peter Mm. going to Mm -hmm. the centurion's house, being called to go to the centurion's house, who's like, you know, I had a dream or whatever it is. Oh, let me, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you all about him. Oh, can you (laughs) baptize us? Love it. That's more the situation that's going on in, I think, Nial's saga. Right. Yeah. People are coming and hearing, like, I'd like him for my friend. Oh, (laughs) all right. Yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. But still, there's stories of all that stuff in the Christian Bible, too. But the bigger story here is told, you know, um, from the point of our historical fiction and who are we. Hmm. I think. Yeah, agreed. Versus, you know, the Jews was our historical facts uh, and who are we? And it's all reflected through God. And these people just didn't have that focus. It's like saying, what book did the people in Tombstone write? (laughs) Well, the the story, the historical fiction there is the OK Corral. Mm -hmm. The shootout at the OK Corral. Right, right. Yeah. Fascinating. You know, just different. Yeah, just very. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is different. Uh, that's that's neat. You know, it's different in the same at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, really great, really great. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's there's so much more to this, of course. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I would urge any, anyone who's interested. You know, we get to see, you know, Gunnar's end of life and and y'all's. Um, and, and the aftermath of that is really what the book structure is. And um, it's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. But really, all the elements that we've laid out, all the complicating things and all of the, um, you know, the legalistic stuff and the warrior stuff 
and the family stuff. It's all mm-hmm. it's all just all tied together in this narrative. Um, and uh, I love it. I love it. I, I, I can't wait to read the next one, which, again, is Eagle's Saga. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm saying next one. I don't know that there's an order. I, I don't know en- enough about it to even right. say. But there's there's a lot. I have a book um, just right there called The Sagas of the Icelanders, which is also a penguin book. And it has several sagas in it that um, it doesn't include Niall's saga, but there's several sagas in this one book. Did you ever read that Tom Shippey book about the Vikings? I did not. Uh-uh. Um, hold on. Let me look for the name of it real quick. Tom Shippey? I can look that yeah. up too. He's the Tolkien guy, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He took over after Tolkien uh, retired, but he wrote a book that I kind of struggled through in a similar way to struggling through this because it was about the Vikings. Is it called okay. Laughing Shall I Die? That's it. Okay. Because his argument was that the Vikings were not the, you know, he said a lot of modern histories now like to go, oh, well, the Vikings got a bad rap. Mm. And most of them just liked to farm and do these things <laughs> and be normal people. And there were a few that would go off and, you know, terrorize the countryside and so <laughs> forth. But they weren't the normal ones. Everybody was different. And he said that's absolutely incorrect, that the normal people who were farming were called Scandinavians or whatever country they were from. And Vikings were considered to be rogues, pirates, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Not great people. They were the ones, they were the lawless ones who went off and did their things. And he does a lot of looking at all these different sagas. Mm. And so you might be interested sometime in looking at that book. And I read the whole thing, and I enjoyed it pretty well, except it would get very deep in a scholarly way sometimes, and I'd just have to go, well, I can't go there. Let me skip back to the more shallow stuff. Gotcha. But um, because he was specifically looking at Vikings, I don't know how much that intersects with something like Njal's saga or some of the other sagas, but he is looking at all these sagas chronologically, a whole bunch of them. Mm. So you might be, or somebody who mm-hmm. likes this stuff, yeah, might I'd be interested in reading definitely it. Definitely interested. Yeah, and maybe, he's got a real conversational style. I mean, I enjoy cool. his writing. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Tom Shippey. Yeah, you're welcome. Laughing yeah. Shall I Die. <laughs> yes. I love it. S-H-I-P-P-E-Y. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for reading this thing and hanging in there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do know that it's a, it's a tough read, but I was so eager to talk about it. So yeah, I it, love that we did. It's been a while since I've been challenged by having to read a book that doesn't immediately... Um, click mm-hmm. or even after a while you're still kind of struggling with and it was re- that was rewarding in its own way hmm. kind of stretching very good and also yeah. seeing how these people lived and thought about things uh, because the one thing that we do have to add here is after your legal stuff and after your battles and burning down houses and things if you're still not satisfied and you come across each other you have some pretty sarcastic poetry to lay down right there. <laughs> yes, and how do. hard the crowd's laughing is uh, how hard you burned that other person. Yeah, absolutely right. This happens more than once. There uh-huh. are some long, sarcastic poems laid down. I mean. Breaking out yeah. the poetry. 
Oh. Yeah. That's that, how that, that makes it me is. think that, you know, we, we, we talk so much about Indian movies, how much the Vikings <laughs> would have appreciated the, uh, the musical numbers in the, in the, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> in the Indian movies. There would have been some dances that there would have been getting at the other person. <laughs> and they would not have, they'd have had to dance right back. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Too Them good. and their gang. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of a West Side Story situation with the, you know, the snapping of the fingers. Yes. That sort of thing. But Indian style, so it'd Indian be better. Indian style, that's for sure. Yeah. I love it. Right. I love it. I'm glad to see you're now thinking of that kind of thing yes, on your own. It's arm. so cool. I mean, I mean, these different cultures we're looking into, you know, there, there's similarities. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all people. I love it. You know, because, yeah. you know, here in this Viking saga, I could, I could see actually Indian movies having great fun with this. I wonder if they've ever even done anything but um oh warring this families is, this is perfect uh fodder for indian movies well they have they have tons of stories like this yeah i, I imagine. mean not mm. just like this but mm. yeah oh the ramayana goes on for freaking ever uh-huh. and um and there's other stories that are and yeah well gosh there's one that i don't know if we could talk about it but we'll have to try it sometime and it's looking at the way people are connecting in families and in chance encounters and all hmm. through this one thread of Dharma and oh, the Ramayana. Cool. I would love, to, I would love that, to check that out. I really loved all the things that we've done uh, that are similar to this. You know, like we mentioned earlier, Gilgamesh, the Odyssey, mm-hmm, Beowulf, mm-hmm. this, you know, I love, I love these kinds of things. So I, I wonder what's next for us in this in this subgenre or whatever you want to call it, but maybe an Indian one is where we go next. Oh well, uh, yeah, we're gonna do something that's a little historical. It's not gonna go as far back as this, but uh-huh. I'll have to. Maybe we'll do Joe to Akbar sometime. Sounds that's good. Yeah, pretty good one. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but I think next we're gonna go to another really um, exotic genre. Yes, you are absolutely right. <laughs> We're going to do a month of silent movies. Yay! No talking. I know and that's what everybody's clapping uh, and That's for sure. And, so and, excited. And the podcast will also be silent. So this will be great. We're, we're trying something new. We're going to play music. Here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. Yes, yeah, we'll use a whiteboard. That's yeah, a good we'll idea. We'll use a whiteboard you discovered just to write our comments down to each other <laughs> exactly. as if they were title cards, and then we'd but have not to, too often. We'll have to make emotional faces, you know. <laughs> So, you know, we'll, we'll exude extreme, extreme exusion while, oh uh, so that they can see what well, we feel yeah, about as, those things. Um, as Norma Desmond says in Sunset Boulevard, yeah. we didn't need voices. We had faces. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, next so. time we're going to talk about uh, two silent movies. One, The Lodger, and one, The General. And yeah. then the episode after that, two more. M- Metropolis. And the Phantom Carriage. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. No, the, these are, I'm stunned to hear myself saying, these are all amazing movies. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. if you haven't watched silent movies before, watch The General first, because comedy is really the best entry into silent movies, I think. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The drama stuff can seem overwrought until you're kind of used to the style. And the comedy is so universal, and there's sight gags, but there's also also just plot comedies and everything that work. And um, 
It, that would be the one to try first, I ah, think. I love it. I love it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Our, our March silent movie month. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it'll be Lent will be starting on March the 2nd, so that'll be a good time mm-hmm. to keep silent. <laughs> That's right. Except for the music. You bet. You bet. Always the music. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, so yeah, so I've got to make my way to the Vatican somehow and uh, get absolution from the Pope. (laughs) And I'll I'll do that before the next episode, so. For the family that got shut in their house and burned to the ground. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, for that. It was an accident. I think if you give them a lot of money, the way it worked in this book. (laughs) Yes. And the Protestants would tell you that's how it goes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Too good. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, thanks anyway. again. Thanks again. I'm, I'm really enjoyed this. So Yeah. No, yeah. it was a good experience. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. And we'll catch you later, everybody. See you in two yeah. weeks. Talk to you again soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.